So I was, I was preparing for this week, and I was thinking about Easter. I was thinking about Bishop Clint Brown coming. I was thinking about, you know, he's going to be here two weeks prior to Easter. I was thinking about Easter, of course, is the biggest celebration that every church has every year. And, and all these kind of, the, the Easter message that God was be already preparing in my heart to preach that day. And God spoke to me and said, you've got to tell your people today. You're going to preach to your people today the Easter message. Because when they come in on Easter Sunday, they're, oh, you better be ready for what I'm about to tell you. Your people, they're going to receive every time they come from you when you preach. But your people are going to be a, in a serving mindset. Your people are going to be in a giving mindset. And they're going to be focused on making sure everyone else in the house besides themselves are able to receive from God. That people are going to be born again. That souls are going to be saved that day. That these altars are going to be filled from wall to wall with people giving their life to Jesus. Somebody say, I'm ready to serve everyone that comes in this house. So I'm not going to really preach the full Easter message, but I am going to preach about the power of the resurrection. How many knows without the resurrection, we don't have anything? Without the resurrection, we just got a good story. Without the resurrection, we, we, we will be look, serving a prophet like some of these other religions that talk about just a great, the great prophet and all these others. But we don't just serve a great teacher and a great prophet. We've not surrendered our life to a great teacher or a great prophet. We've surrendered our life to, to God himself who became incarnate, was born of a virgin, lived a sin. It's his spirit that brought Jesus out of that tomb, body to life. It's the same spirit that draws us to Christ. It's the same spirit that empowers us. That's why Jesus said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Romans 8, 11 says this, 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, listen to this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Do you have that scripture? Romans 8, 11. Dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells with you. Can I get an amen? Amen. But the key part of that scripture is this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Dwells in you. Do you understand? The power that rolled that stone away. That quickened the body, the human body of Christ, brought him back from the dead. He showed himself by many infallible proofs for 40 days. All of that, everything, every miracle that he did, everything that happened in his life, he did it through the power of his spirit. And and listen, Paul was saying to the church in Rome, listen, you have access to that same power can dwell in you. First thing on your notes is this resurrection power should be the op- should be operating in our lives every day. Resurrection power should be operating in our lives every day. Does it feel like death in your home? Well, speak life. The Bible said there's power, life, and death in your tongue. Not just on Easter. Resurrection power should be working within us is what Paul said. Within us. Shouldn't be a message that we talk about once a year. He's supposed to, that message lives within us. Are you alive, church? For too long, I believe the church has boxed in the Holy Spirit. They've shoved him in a corner. They've they've relegated him to a room after church that everybody can go into, and then they can find out that the church actually believes in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm about order. I'm about being in order, but I'm telling you what, I don't want to go to a church that I got to go to another room to find out if the Holy Ghost is there. I got news for you. I don't want to go to a church that I got to find out if the preacher's anointed uh, or not to find out if the Holy Ghost is there because the Holy Ghost just don't dwell in the preacher. He's in you. Are you saved? Wave your hand at me and say, "Amen." amen. Then say, Holy Spirit lives in me. Next thing on your notes is this, Holy Spirit power was active in mankind from the beginning. Holy Spirit mankind, Holy Spirit power has always been active in, in humans from mankind from the beginning. The Bible tells us that man, Genesis 1.26, was created in God's image, in his likeness. His flesh was fashioned from the dust of the earth. But the Bible says, but man was not a living soul until something happened. And the Bible says... That God himself breathed into the nostrils of God, of man. And when God himself breathed into the nostrils of man, the Bible said, man came alive. In other words, man was never intended to live without God. Oh, you didn't hear me. I've said it a hundred times in this church. You want to learn something about the nature of God, the heart of God, the intention of God, the purpose of God, and the future destiny of God? then you better understand this. Go study the book of Genesis. Go study the Garden of Eden because God's perfect will is designed for us in that garden. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to breathe in us. He wants to clothe us in his glory. Are you hearing me? But man was not not alive until God breathed in him. Is it amazing 
that, that the Bible says before Jesus Christ, everything in our life was death. Isn't it amazing that he says that when we choose life, when we choose Jesus, we have eternal life. When we deny Jesus, we have eternal death. Because there is no true life without the resurrection power of God who is Holy Spirit. There is no life without Holy Spirit. You're a walking dead man without him. Are you hearing me? You're a zombie. That's what you look like in the spirit. You're the walking dead. But those that give their life to Christ, they come alive. That's why Nicodemus, Nicodemus was, was at the elite of the elites. He was, he was one of the most educated men in all of Jerusalem. But in the spirit realm at the night, he looked like this when he came to Jesus. Because he was covered in religion. Are you hearing me? Religion will kill you. The letter of the law killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Are you hearing me, church? So he was dead man walk. Jesus said, what, what can I do for you, sir? I want to be a part of your kingdom. What must I do to be a part of your kingdom? Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. Another way of saying born again is because Nicodemus was confused. Nicodemus said, what, can, what do you mean being born again? Do I go back to my mother's womb and be born again? He said, come out of my mother again. He said, no, no, no. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The Bible says that if we, if we seek after the flesh, watch this, in this life, we will of the flesh reap corruption. That word corruption means death. But if we, we seek after the spirit, we shall in this life reap, reap life everlasting. So he said, no, you can't go back in your mama and be born again, but you got to die. You got to die. Who you are, I'm not talking about in the natural. The spirit man that's within you is tainted with the sin of the garden, so you've got to die. But here's good news. I'm not going to leave it at that. You don't get it yet, but I, my breath is the one that brought you to life, all of you to life to begin with. When you die in Christ, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. When, only when you die in Christ. When you die in Christ, when you pick up your cross, when you lay down your life for me, I got the power to breathe on you in a moment. And before your spirit, man, it can even hit the ground, you're already raised from the dead. Behold, all things become new. That's why you got to drink from the bottle. That's why a brand new born again person is just like they were born again. They start off drinking the, the milk, but then they move to the stake of the word. Can I get an amen? Somebody say, I don't want to live without Jesus. What kind of life is that? There ain't no life without Jesus. I don't want to get deep on y'all today. I'll save some of this for Easter. I'm telling you right now, I got a message for Easter, man. Woo! I better, I better stay on my notes. I'll preach it right now. Listen, next thing in your notes is this. God actually reveals the entire plan of mankind's restoration in our creation. Listen to this. God reveals the entire plan of mankind's restoration in our creation. What do you mean? Number one, it's his plan that he walks with us. The Bible said he walked with man in the cool of the garden. Number two, this, remember we're talking about the restoration of the creation, the, re, the restoration of, of his will in our life. Number two, 
It is his desire that we receive the blood of Jesus into our life. Now, what does that got to do with the blood of Jesus with the, with the Garden of Eden? I don't want to get too deep on you. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. But, but think about this. Adam was formed, right? He wasn't born. He was formed. Eve was not born. She was formed, right? And the Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus that the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when, the, when they were formed in the natural flesh... Their bodies, watch this, we've got this, we've got this idea that it was a clay statue just standing there, hard and brittle in a clay statue, and there was no life in it. No, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when he created the flesh, the body, I don't know what it looked like, how long they stood at attention or whatever, but in that moment, the body was alive. All of the, the functions were m- working within. The heart was pumping. The kidneys were working. But he was dead on the inside. Because the, 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 the supercharger that keeps this brain working and the heart pumping is the spirit man. So he, he, because the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when he breathed into him, the, the triune being, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were created in His image where flesh, soul, and body was in place and then we began to operate and walk with Him. Stay with me. But he, he didn't just make them and then have that the humans generated their own blood. How many of us, when you were born and your mother, you, when you were began to divide as a cell, you didn't have your own blood, you got your blood from your mama. Are you hearing me? And DNA from your daddy. Are you with me, church? So what happened? The Bible tells us, listen to this, I won't get too deep, but Hebrews 10, 5 talks about this. It talks about Jesus is basically saying these words. He says, therefore, when he came into this world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you do not desire. When he came in this world, talking about God, but a body you have prepared for me. So in other words, we know that Jesus in the womb was not conceived through the, through the normal way of conception. So therefore, the body, even if it was an embryonic state, was formed in the belly of Mary. You with me, church? Same way Adam was. So where did, we know that she, he does not have Eve's blood because if he had Eve's blood, he would have been tainted with, by sin-cursed blood. So he, where did he get the blood? The blood that was put in the body of Jesus in the Virgin Mary is the same blood source came from the same place of the blood that was put in the body of Adam and in the body of Eve. It is heavenly untainted blood. Come on, are y'all hearing me? So Adam literally had the blood of Jesus flowing through his body. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Where else would he get his blood from? He got his blood from the Father. So in Adam... We saw he walked with God. He, he was in contact with the blood of Jesus in his life. And then number three, he had the Holy Spirit living inside of him. That is God's plan for us. Are you hearing me? Next thing you notice is this. Adam could, Adam could walk with Father God because he had the blood of the Lamb and the breath of God within him. The reason he could walk with the Trinity is because he had every facet of the Trinity within him and on him. Are you hearing me? He had the breath of God in him. He had the blood of Jesus in him. And he had the glory of the Father on him. Oh, y'all, it's too deep for y'all. Adam had the DNA of God flowing through his body. But how many of you can be saved and still be tempted? 
So when he gave up those rights, even though it was perfect blood, it became tainted. And when it became tainted, now that's when the curse came in. Y'all hear me? Now watch this. When man fell in the garden, God killed an innocent animal, probably a lamb, and used the bloody skin or the flesh of that animal, the Bible says, to, quote, cover Adam and Eve. The blood was still wet beneath the skin when it touched the flesh of their bodies. So Jesus' flesh was bloodied on a cross so that it could be applied to our sin. Are y'all seeing the parallel? Next thing you notice is this, you can't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit without being covered by the power of the blood of Jesus. I'm not talking, we ain't got some cult in here. We're going to have chicken blood and sprinkle all over everybody. That's, a, that's voodoo, okay? We're not voodoo in here. We ain't got no blood vials in here we pass now. No, we're talking about the power of the shed blood of Jesus. There's power, power, wonder-working power. Come on, somebody, in the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? See, Adam walked with Father God. Jesus walked with his Father. Adam had the perfect blood of Jesus flowing through his body. He was perfect. There was no other blood but created blood, so he had to have perfect blood. Jesus was perfect. He had perfect blood because he was born of a virgin. Adam became alive because of the breath of the Holy Spirit was breathed into him. And even though Jesus is God, he chose only to begin his ministry after the Father breathed on him the breath of God, his own breath in the river Jordan. When he came up out of the water. He did not begin his ministry until the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit, not a dove, but like as a dove and a gentle spirit came upon him. And when he came upon him and his own breath, his own father breathed on him in the flesh, he come up out of that water ready to fight the devil. And he came out with power and began his ministry. He did not, be, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He did not begin his ministry until his own breath was breathed on him. Not because he needed it, but because he was trying to teach us. If I'm not even going to operate in the ministry, then how in the world do you expect to operate without my anointing? Next thing on your notes is this. Jesus was the second and the final Adam. Now I want to show you what I mean by that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39, some of my favorite passages. It says, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another kind of animals, another fish, another birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another, heavenly and earthly. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Are y'all hearing me? It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in the natural body. He's trying to take you somewhere. It is raised in the spiritual body. Trying to compare the natural and the spiritual. Watch what happens. There is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, mm. the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Oh, somebody give him praise right now. <laughs> Woo! 
The other one ended up dying in the flesh because he sold to the flesh. But the final Adam lived in the Spirit, was planted in the Spirit, operated us in a sinless life, and was raised in the Spirit and became life-giving, not just alive. What he did, he, he enabled the gospel then to give life to you and me. Oh, come on, somebody. See, our bodies were spirit-filled on day one. But man changed the spirit of life for a spirit of death. Acts 2, 1, though, think about, I'm going to tell you something, God's word is awesome. Think, just think about the symbolism, but it's more than symbolism trying to show us something. Jesus dies on the cross. He sheds his blood. He, he, every drop of his blood comes out. We know every drop of his blood came out of his body because when the soldier stuck the spear in his side, the Bible said blood and water came out. His heart was pumping the remaining of the water, the clear fluid. All, he couldn't even put the, push the blood out. He, he lost every drop of blood. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. He walked with man. The only thing that was left for him to do in that process was to breathe in us and on us. So what did he do? The very last thing he says to his disciples, I need you to go to Jerusalem. And I need you to go pray. And I need you to wait for the promise of the Father. You shall be endued with power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. All these things that he says in Acts 1, which leads us to Acts 2. Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, 50 days from his death. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one mind, unity. One accord. Come on, somebody. Not one Honda. In harmony. They were in accord. In one place. And the Bible says, and suddenly, somebody shout suddenly, there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Oh, wait a minute. See, but what you got to understand is that's what it's translated into our English Bibles. And we just think about this wind hitting the walls like a storm. But when you study it out, you'll find out that this is what it meant in the original. Uh, the, The Hebrew teachings. They have, a, they have many people have taught this from the times past in the Old Testament when the priests would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, which is on the same time that Jesus died at Passover. They would go in at Passover and they would take a hyssop branch dipped in blood and they would go into the Holy of Holies and stand in complete darkness. And the Bible says with, with not, not even be able to see the hand in front of your face slinging in the darkness. They knew where the altar was. They were slinging that blood towards the east side of the altar. And many priests said as they were slinging it in total darkness, they would begin to hear a sound. And they all said the same, everyone said the same thing. It sounded like the sound of a man breathing and getting closer. So while they're in the darkness, slinging the blood, they could hear. Like a man running with every power in his might towards you. And all of a sudden it would go. One big breath, and the room would light up and be so bright that the glory of God would shine so strong. He was standing in the midst, and there'd be like a wind blowing, and and the the priest said their hair would go back, and they could just... 
That's why they had to have bells tied to the bottom of, their, of their, their feet. That's why they had to have a golden rope tied around their right ankle and led out to the out, outside the Holy of Holies while the Levite priests were holding on the rope, tugging on it, making sure he was still alive because it was so holy of a moment because the breath of God, God himself would come in that room that if the priest was not right, he would be struck dead. He had to be drug out by the rope. But the priest would jingle his foot so they could hear the bells to let them know, I'm still alive. The glory's in here, but I'm still alive. Come on, somebody. The room is completely illuminated. I'm still alive. I'm coming out. Just leave me alone. When I was in the upper room, and there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. That word wind wind is is interpreted in the original language is breath. Do you know what spirit means? The word spirit is the word pneuma, and it means breath. So Holy Spirit is literally holy breath. It is the breath of God. So when they were in one mind and one accord in the upper room, suddenly there came a sound of a breathing man running his, on his way to you. They're in accord. They got it. The, wouldn't you hate to have been the 121st guy that finally left the room before they got in unity? Because the Bible said it took them getting down to 120 before they finally got. But there was a guy or a woman who was 121 who didn't want to get in, who didn't want to submit, who didn't want to do what God told them to do. And God said, you know what? I'm not going to put my favor on a house where there's rebellion. And that one said, you know what? I'm done with y'all. And the moment they walked out, God said, oh! Huh? I better get them while they're in unity. And it changed everything. They had such an infusion of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in God's tongue. Huh? And when they spoke in God's tongue, here's how it's so powerful. Here's how Holy Spirit baptism is so empowering. Because we think it's just all about the huckabuck and all of this. No, here's what's so empowering. Is they begin to speak in another tongue, and they're speaking in a heavenly language, but but it became understandable to every person from every nationality. I'm tired of the church making the gospel ununderstandable, where we can't even get it. When the Holy Ghost comes on a church, the gospel becomes simple to the minds of everyone, and they can get it. Because you might not even know what you're saying, but God can take what you're saying when it's in unity and speak it to where people can receive it. Next to your notes real quick and I'm done. This ain't Vegas. And they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in the church shouldn't stay in the church. Huh? Slap your neighbor, tell them this ain't Vegas, honey. Next thing, last day on your notes is God never intended for the church to be a private institution. I'm tired of the elitism in church. He empowered us. To bring people in, not push them away. 